Hello, and thank you for tuning in to New Glasgow Christian Church. My name is Stephen Weatherby, and I'm the pastor here at NGCC, a small rural church with a big heart located in central Prince Edward Island, Canada. We're so glad that you could join us. Uh, we are talking about the new covenant this week, uh, which is not the same as Core 4, which was covenant. In Core 4, we talked about and established what a biblical covenant is. And everything we learned that week does lay a lot of groundwork for what we're going to talk about today. If you've been in the church a while, you've probably heard the terms Old Covenant and New Covenant at some point in your life. The Old Covenant leaned heavily on Levitical priesthood. And and what that meant is that there were a lot of sacrifices that were required to be made. A lot of rituals had to happen, and a lot of blood of animals was spilt. We talked a little bit about that last week when we talked about atonement. How the blood of animals being offered by priests was not able to to take away sins perfectly and permanently. And so that old covenant, it did a lot of things for us, but it actually also revealed a problem. You see, God had chosen Israel... He'd protected Israel, he'd provided for them, he'd called them to be a special people set apart for him. But Israel had repeatedly, time and time again, proven that they were not able to live up to the task. Israel had worn their covenant with God like a badge of honor, thinking that it proved that just by their status and existence that they were better than everyone else. But what it proved was that even though they were a people set apart for God, that they were just as bad and corrupt and evil and prone to sin as everyone else was. But to be clear, the failure was not God's. It was not God's fault that this happened. It was humanity's fault. It was humanity's failure. It wasn't the law or the covenant that had failed or that was flawed. It was the people. God's people loved the law, but they were incapable of following it. And imperfect people cannot keep a perfect law. The problem with the old covenant, with the Mosaic covenant, was that it could only show us what righteousness requires, but it could do nothing to help us actually achieve that goal. So God's solution to this problem is this new covenant, a new and better covenant for his people. And that covenant, the new covenant, is the same one that we enjoy and live under today. The promise of this new covenant shows up in a lot of places in the Old Testament, uh, but it really shows up in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah in chapter 31. This new covenant would be very different from the previous. It would actually make it obsolete. And we see this in Hebrews 8. Quoting Jeremiah in Hebrews 8, the author states this in verse 13. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. And of course, we know that the death of Jesus on the cross, from what we studied last week under atonement, rendered the sacrifices of that first covenant unnecessary. We don't have to do that anymore. So with all that said, let's look at this new covenant that we enjoy, which was promised for generations through this prophet Jeremiah. And this is our core verse this week. If you have been doing the memorization all along, 
I am really sorry because this is going to be a doozy. <laughs> it, is, it might be one of the longest ones we have. So this is verses 33 to 34 of Jeremiah 31. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So, yes, if you're doing the Bible verses, uh, good luck. You got a week. <laughs> so, this new covenant is different from the old in a number of ways. Uh, there's a lot of things we can learn about it. First of all, we see that this new covenant is inward and spiritual. In verse 33, uh, Jeremiah says, I will put their law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts, speaking from God's perspective. So this first covenant that we had under Moses, it had laws written on stone tablets. Uh, the new covenant is different. It requires God's law be written on our hearts. And that sounds pretty cool, but what does that mean? What does it mean that God's law will be in our minds and on our hearts? Well, a key difference between these two covenants is that the old covenant works differently. The new covenant works from the inside out. So it changes you on the inside and it works its way outward into your life. Whereas the old covenant worked from the outside in. Here the laws follow them, and as you follow them, you will become a better person. The problem is we couldn't actually succeed in doing that. The new covenant doesn't work like that. So the old covenant said, here's the rules. You shall not do these things. You shall do these things. And if you didn't comply with those rules, there were penalties built in. But that old covenant did nothing to help you follow the rules. So the new covenant, while the standards of right and wrong haven't necessarily changed at their core essence, the way in which we meet those standards has been completely transformed. So in the new covenant, God places his spirit inside of us to change our hearts. God transforms us from the inside out. And in that way, he helps us to deal with our desires and wants and our temptations so that our actions will over time change to match his commandments. Now, having a law written in stone was not a bad thing. It did help us to know what was right and it helped us to know what was wrong. But that is where it left us. But having the law written in our hearts, it changes our actions from simply trying to follow a checklist of rules to having the Holy Spirit guiding us and helping us as we do so. And it's not enough to have God's word in our hands, just in our Bibles. That is why this new covenant is so important. We have to plant God's word in our hearts as well. James 1.21 says, Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So it implies that this word has been implanted into our hearts. So we are to put God and his word at the forefront of our minds, and at the core of our hearts, so that it will steer and direct our lives. And that's why things like Bible memorization are so important, because we are continuing to meditate and focus on the word of God. And as we do this, and as God implants his word into our hearts, 
the little decisions and reactions to things in our life will, over time, start to line up with God's word because his word is on your mind. And big decisions in your life will be begin to be uh, guided by his word because you will let it direct your heart. And so again, that's why memorization is so important. This process is also described in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 to 23, which is having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincerely brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. In other words, the inward change that takes place, that comes through this implanting of the word, will express itself out of your life as it changes you under the new covenant. So that's the first way in which this covenant is different. The second, this new covenant gives us a closer relationship with God than what we had before. And it does that by getting rid of the middle man. Uh, So Jeremiah 31 verse 33 God says, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Under the old covenant, they had to make offerings to God regularly. There were all these sacrifices, all these offerings and rituals they had to do to atone for their sin or to worship him, whatever. But here's the thing, under that old covenant, even with all those sacrifices, if you were dedicated and obedient and you made them regularly, you personally we're still not allowed to approach God yourself. So imagine today, if every Sunday you came to church and you could only enter the parking lot. You had to stay in the parking lot. Only the board members of the church could come in the building, but only I as the pastor could come into the sanctuary and actually provide the worship and offering on your behalf. You had to stay out there because you were unclean. And the board members couldn't even come into the sanctuary. Only I could approach God on your behalf. That is how the old covenant was like. So we were separated from God. But under the new covenant, you don't have to go through a special person. You don't need an intermediary or a special place. You have direct access to God anytime and anywhere. But it goes deeper than that. Not only do we have direct access to God under the new covenant, If we have claimed Jesus by making him our king, we not only have direct access to him, but we also get to have a relationship. We draw closer to him over time. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So we don't only have access to God, he is our father. And that's quite something when you consider how it used to be under the Old Covenant. 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us that we are chosen by God. And if you are chosen, by implication that means you are wanted. And so if you think about that, under the Old Covenant you couldn't even approach God, and under the New Covenant he chose you, the God of the universe, and he wants to have a close relationship with you. This new covenant allows that to happen. So that's the second way that this covenant is different. The third way, and this is going to sound weird when I say it, and I was trying to think of a better way to say this, and I couldn't quite get there. Um, This new covenant is for those who know God. And and again, that sounds kind of weird when I say it out loud, 
Um, but here's what I mean by that. Uh, looking back at verse 34 of our core verse, God says, No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. So under the old covenant, people who were part of that covenant relationship, Israel, they entered at birth automatically. Whether they actually sought God, knew God or not, they became a part of that covenant. They were, if you were a boy, you were circumcised, uh, and that marked you as part of this covenant. But in the new covenant with Jesus, people only enter who have already come to know him. It's a personal choice. You don't enter at birth. You choose to be a part of this covenant. So in the new covenant, a person must come to know God before they can enter the covenant. They learn the truth and they respond. The offer stands for everyone. Anyone can take it, but each person has to make their own choice. And then once we are members of this new covenant, we have the opportunity and even the commandment to help others to enter this covenant as well, to meet them wherever they are in their lives and help them to move closer to Jesus, to to walk alongside them in their lives. There's a really cool story in Acts chapter 8 that kind of shows how this works. Uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. This will be familiar if you were in our Bible study last fall. Uh, We went through Acts. So in this story, the eunuch was already uh, seeking God. He was reading the scroll of Isaiah as he was traveling along, but he was confused. He didn't understand what he was reading. So Philip came along, asked him what he was reading. He told him, said, you've got to explain this to me. It doesn't make sense. So Philip took the time to explain the gospel to him using the passage from the scroll that he was reading. And as the eunuch finally understood what he was saying in this truth and the new covenant, he believed and he wanted to be baptized right away. He made a choice. So in verse 36, it says, As they were going along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? So he learned the truth, he believed it, and he responded. He knew God, and so he made a choice to join in that covenant. He made a personal decision. So that's the third way that this is different. You don't enter automatically. You have to know God. Fourth, Uh, And and this is, again, not just how it's different, but how it's superior to the Old Covenant, is that it offers us true forgiveness of sin. The last portion of verse 34 in Jeremiah 31 says, I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And to us, that is, you know, it's, it's something that sounds familiar. We've heard verses like this in our lives, but if you think back to the Israelites before they had this new covenant, this is hundreds of years before Jesus was born. They've been making sacrifices their whole lives, never able to approach God because of their sin. So to read something like that as a prophecy from God would have been huge. God will forgive our sin and not remember it anymore? Like, that's a big deal. Perfect and permanent atonement is the promise of the new covenant. And that is something that the old covenant really could not provide. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 to 4 says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, 
It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who are drawn near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So we, we read parts of that last week. That's why the Old Testament, or the Old Covenant, was imperfect. It couldn't save us. But for us, under the New Covenant, through the forgiveness of sins, we can truly be God's people. And he can and will be our God. This New Covenant provides what the Old Covenant never could provide. Forgiveness of sins. So as I conclude... I want you to understand these four things. There is a big difference between the covenant that we live under, that we are blessed to have, and the covenant before Jesus. It's characterized by these four things. First, it's inward and spiritual. Second, it gives us a closer relationship with God. Three, it is for those who know the Lord. And fourth, it gives us true forgiveness of sin. Without a new covenant, we... We're aware of the problem, but we did not have a solution. But through the new covenant, bought through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, which we talked about last week, we can truly experience an eternal forgiveness and reconciliation with God. And I think that that is something that we can be very, very thankful for when we look through the eyes of those before this covenant. It's something that we can thank God for each and every day of our lives. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that this week's teaching was a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you live in the New Glasgow area, we would love for you to come and join us for our Sunday gathering. For information on service times, location, and more, check out our website at ngcc.ca. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening and have a great week.